Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Fox and the Crow number 98. Cover date June-July 1966. Cover price 12 cents. Cover artist unknown. Edited by Murray Boltonoff. Featuring Teacher's Pet. Written by Arnold Drake. Art by J. Winslow Mortimer. And Sugar and Spike number 65. Cover date June-July 1966. Cover price 12 cents. Cover artist Sheldon Mayer. Edited by Murray Boltonoff. Featuring Impossible Adventure. Written and drawn by Sheldon Mayer. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Welcome to the world of love and laughter, baby. Welcome to the sunshine of a brand new Sugar and Spike's negligent parents allow the toddlers to be kidnapped by a group of talking lobsters. Also, Stanley and his monster save a teacher's career. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. Teacher's pet I wanna be teacher's pet I am so angry <laughs> at these parents. Why? These negligent. No, there's not a th, and that is there. These negligent parents who let their children fly off to lobster islands and also have demon pets in their bedroom. <laughs> Thank God Halloween's right around the corner. <laughs> These, uh, first of all, Stanley is not old enough to need privacy in his bedroom, if you get my drift. Okay, and? He's got a demon living in his bedroom. Okay. Yes, it is a demon. It is very clearly a demon. Well, in fact, Rob, I read on Wikipedia today, uh-huh. the monster, unbeknownst to Stanley, is in fact a demon <laughs> who had been banished from hell by Lucifer for being too nice for hell. The monster had accidentally been bonded to Stanley by Stanley's demon-worshipping grandfather. So not only is there a demon-worshipper in the family, but his mother doesn't even go in his bedroom to see if he's got, like, cans of food shoved under his bed, or candy wrappers, or... Uh, I, 
Uh, how do you, uh, or what, shoplifted items, you know. Demon-worshipping grandfather. Someone must have just written that in there on Wikipedia. Um, oh, no. Uh, that's from a series written by Kevin Smith, famous filmmaker. Okay. Uh, he put the characters of Stanley and his monster into Green Arrow, and uh, that's where that comes from. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. You know, this Stanley could be shoplifting. You know, I got in trouble for shoplifting once. You did. We probably haven't told that story, have we? I don't know, but if we have, nobody's listening to more than one episode of this, so I can tell <laughs> it again. So you remember Viewmasters? Yes, I do. Um, well, I didn't have a Viewmaster, but I did love the television program Land of the Lost, yes. starring Wesley Ewer. Yeah, There were other people as well, but Wesley was, you know. Um, and first season, he was just Wesley, yeah. as you recall. Um, so I stole from the supermarket a pack of Viewmaster Master slides, slides yes. even though I didn't have a Viewmaster. Right. And now, I, even though I know you weren't born in the 1950s, you were born later than that. Yes. When I play this um, film in my head, it's uh-huh. all black and white. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we were poor, so it probably was actually in black and white. And grainy. Um, so I shoved it under the pillow of my bed. Okay. Right? Yes. The, uh, the unwrapped package. Yes. Which cost uh, $1.50, as I recall. Okay. My mother found it. And what did she do? She took me by the earlobe. Now, how old were you? Eight years old. Eight years old. Took me by the ear, dragged me to the grocery store, the Big Bear store on Fifth Avenue in Columbus, Ohio, and sent me in by myself to speak to the manager. Yes. And left me at the door with this, these words. Yes. If they take you to jail, there's nothing I can do. <laughs> I love this story so much. Oh. Uh, she was a gem. I miss her sometimes. Another time I asked her to buy me something in the store, please. You did, and you threw a temper tantrum, didn't I you? probably did, and I said, you have to buy this for me. You have to buy this for me! And she said, I don't have to do anything but die! <laughs> and that story I used to hear from your mother. Yes. We used to laugh about that. So, she- frankly, a demon attached to me by the soul of my demon worshiping grandfather that would be a grandfather in the park probably Probably. um so stanley and his monster yes here we go so i just wanted to we haven't been to a we haven't read a stanley episode in a long time right a stanley a stanley comic right 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 right. i was reminded immediately how much i absolutely despise his um what is it? Lateral lift? Uh huh. Yeah. Some kind of a lift. A very pronounced lift. I it drives me insane to read it. Well, like this first panel. Yes. Gee, I didn't know that dogs like flowers so much. Then how come? Uh, and he says, "I doubt if they do." Stim. No, actually, he's a demon. I doubt if they do. <laughs> I doubt if they do, Stanley. Sniff. Ah, oh, such divine odor. Then how come you like them? You're a dog. Oh. Yeah, see, uh, we should mention that Stanley does have a demon, but he thinks it's a dog. Yeah, he does. Because he found it in the woods. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, now, this lisp is also the way that my brother used to make fun of gay people by making them talk like this. 
What a coincidence. So did my mother. You know, they would have gotten along great. I'm, had I'm they ever sure met. Your mo- my mother and your brother would have gotten along very well. Yes. Yes. My mother used to say she had a patent phrase <laughs> that she would use to describe gay people. She would go, <laughs> I can't even do it because they don't lisp the Fs. She'd go, say, fella. <laughs> And of course, I was teased all throughout my entire childhood by my parents yes. for being effeminate. Well, yes. how'd that work out for you? Well, I just sort of blocked it out until I had a, um, a reunion with a step-sibling recently. Uh-huh. And she reminded me how um, that uh, she's, the last time we saw each other, that was one of my stepsisters. She said, the last time that we were together, we were in your bedroom and you were uh, less than 12 years old. And she said, we were playing Super Freak. On the on the record player uh-huh. and dancing around, and she said she put a bunch of makeup on herself and like really overdid her lipstick and stuff. And she said you were also making fun of my makeup, but she said you were dancing around. She's a very freaky girl, the kind you don't bring home to mother. <laughs> she sounds fun. Yeah. Okay, so let's get through the Stanley comic, shall we? Um. Well, I was gonna say something and now I forgot. I'm it. sorry. Well, it's all right. Um, Did so, I tell you that Nala came up into the garage and barked at me today? Nala's the neighbor's dog who's... She's uh, deaf. And she's deaf. Mean. And mean. Yeah. And poops in our yard. She poops in our yard. Um, no, you didn't tell me that. Yeah. she. I was in the uh, garage um, breaking down boxes for recycle day. Yes. Stacking them up. And I turn around and she's barking at me. And I... You know, I mean, she's just, she's an old dog. Yeah. So I took a box and just waved it at her and said, go on now, go on, go on, you know. And then our neighbor goes, Nala! (laughs) Nala! Okay, I can't adjust the level that quick if you're going to shout so much. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know one listener who's going to send me a text about that, the the volume. The listener? One listener. Uh Uh-huh. You know who he is. Um, Are we sure Nala's a dog? (laughs) Maybe she's a demon. She could. She's mean. She's not nice. She comes and poops in our yard, and that poop is as black as hell. And it smells. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Stanley sneaking his monster up to his bedroom. You know who Stanley needs? I have no idea. A dog? He needs a meeting with our future president, Joseph R. Biden. He helps he, children he, with speech impediments. He does. He does. I pray God that he's the future president. Oh my God, if he isn't, I'm going to die. Um, well, we won't die. No, we're going to move to Canada. Though, okay. Because I'm, on, I'm working on that that uh, citizenship application. We can still podcast from Canada, may we not? Oh, they have electricity there, don't they? Um, I think you have to like, it's like bicycle power. Like you have to pedal during, but that would be good for us. Will be. I know. Yeah. So Stanley sneaks monster back up into his bedroom. Um, meanwhile, his father... Puffing Bo- out his chest like a puffinger. Boasty, he boasts a lot. Yes. Is uh, bragging to his wife that he's been elected to the school board. It's because Jerry Duncan refused to run. Right. Um, and she's like, that's nice, dear. Now I need two egg whites. Yes. Um, she's cooking. She's not paying any attention yeah. to her husband, uh, which is, honestly, that's the best way to get along. Just nod your head and pretend like you're listening to what he's saying, That's how it works ladies. And uh, so he is tasked with slashing the school budget. Yes. Um, $10,000 for a new swimming pool? Nope. 
Kids don't need a pool in school. Right. He asked Stanley, do you need a swimming pool? And he said, wow, we could just, uh, what does he say? Swim in the town fountain. We could swim in the town fountain. And he says, I know how we could save money, Daddy. I know how we could save the school money. Close the school. (laughs) Good one, Stanley. Stanley. Um, So that night, the monster wakes up in the middle of the night. He's sleeping in Stanley's bed. Yes, he's sleeping in Stanley's bed while poor Stanley sleeps Sleeps in in the the dresser drawer. You know, my great-grandmother, born in 1857, weighed a pound and a half at birth. She was born in a blizzard in the middle of January. Yeah. And she slept in a shoebox in the top drawer of the dresser. The dresser that you now use. She right? wore doll clothes. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh. Um, she, she wore doll clothes. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Mm. Um, so Stanley sneaks down to the kitchen to get a snack for the monster, where we're reminded that this house is also occupied by, by the, ghost the ghost of Napoleon. Of Napoleon. Um, who does not like whatever soda. Oh, no. Uh, uh, but that's not what? soda. What he is it? comes oh, to the child who's in school yeah. and demands wine. Right, right, right. Right. And then he says, we only have cooking wine. I doubt that, but go on. Mm-hmm. And so he gives Napole- the ghost of Napoleon cooking wine, and he and he spits it out and says it's poison. It's a rotten German trick. Well, cooking wine is a horrible trick. It's for cooking. Played on America. Um. So Stanley goes and makes uh, what we just call that seven a person size sandwich. Uh-huh. Yeah, now he carries it over his head on a platter. This is where I come back to the negligent parents. If you had enough lunch meat to fill seven feet of bread, uh-huh. much less if you had purchased a seven, a seven foot, foot long lo- loaf, loaf of bread, of bread. Right, yeah, and it went missing in the middle of the night, don't you think you'd investigate your child's bedroom? Sure, absolutely. Wouldn't you? Well, I've never been a parent, as you know, but I think, yes, I would. You know, my sister used to eat cans of peas, and she'd open up those damn cans of peas, uh-huh. and she'd eat them, she'd drain them completely, and then put the peas and the spoon underneath her bed. Um, were they Lasseur peas? They're the best. They're the best. Uh, pl- fresh peas? Canned peas. No, I'm saying fresh peas make yeah. me want to vomit, so the thinking of eating a can of canned peas and draining all the liquid out oh. in bed. <laughs> Disgusting. Excuse me for one minute. <laughs> no, I think I could eat a can of corn. Cream corn. Creamed corn. Yeah. A work a uh, friend of mine just was mentioning how her son loves creamed corn. Really? Yeah. Now, I enjoy a good can of creamed corn and some cornbread. Um. Remember that moist cornbread. one time I made cream corn and spaghetti for one of my jokey recipes? No, I do not. Well, it was delicious. Okay. So, so we're going to school? Next day at school, everyone's favorite teacher, Mr. Weemsy, come. The natural science teacher to have a science time. Right. Science time. Um, I had a science teacher in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. No, seventh grade. Yep. Mr. Tash. I can't remember his name because we called him Mr. T. Mm-hmm. Um, he invented all kinds of stories about his home planet and all the scientific advancements they had made there. And he would demonstrate with, you know, string and lead weights. Really? All the fantastic things they had on his planet, like wow. string and lead weights. I had a f- teacher um, in elementary school who we wouldn't go to him for science, but... We did. He did do a science demonstration one day about electricity, and he held 
he had us all hold hands and then one student on either end of the of the circle had to touch this generator box and he'd crank it and we'd and we'd all jerk back and and take our hands away from each other and the students that could hold on the longest won the prize huh it was to talk about condu- conductivity of of electricity it was it was a torture experiment i went to school <laughs> in florida i'm amazed that i even lived um mr jackson the history teacher mm-hmm. his wife died tragically she was hit by a train because she was sleepwalking <laughs> on the train tracks <laughs> oh my god i had an interesting childhood you sure did in third grade, packed. I used to talk all the time. I'm sure it will surprise you that I used to talk all the time. And I used to, uh, Mrs. Bauer would draw a circle on the board uh-huh. and make you put your nose in it. Uh-huh. And we all, we all, she was mean. She was really mean. As a matter of fact, when I was brought to my um, elementary school from another elementary school, because we moved, my stepfather said, um, he said, um, now he talks a lot and gets in trouble. So I want to make sure that you give him the meanest teacher you have. Because they were three, three third grade teachers. And she said, well, then we need to give him Mrs. Bauer. And they put me in Mrs. Bauer's class. I wanted Mrs. Gina Cola, but they gave me Mrs. Bauer. First of all, what school administrator sits down with the parent and the parent says, um, yes, I'd like to request the meanest teacher, please. <laughs> well, coming right up, coming sir. Right. <laughs> Are there not algorithms for th- where to place children in class? I my best friend was in Mrs. Gina Cole's class, and I was so excited about being in her class, but I couldn't get into her class. Yep, um, true that. Of course, I'm from the time when all the teachers were mean, and the parents went right along with whatever the teacher said, so you couldn't get away with anything. No, no, you couldn't. So, Mr. Weemsy is giving a lecture on microbes. Yes, and he's invented a. Funny little microbe character to have a funny voice for. Hi, kids. I'm Mike the Microbe. 10,000 of me could fit in the head of a pin. I can sour your milk or give you a bellyache. Ha, ha, ha. E. coli is funny, Mr. Weemsy. Um, anyway, Nasty Nathan, the fat kid, he's calling Mr. Weemsy an old kook because he's talking to himself. Well, at least he isn't. Those, that's nice. Those are nice words. I mean, it's not. It's it's rude to call him that, but um, yes, at least he's not calling him worse. Um, so, Mister Weemsy promises to return the next week. That night, however, at Nasty Nathan's home, yeah, he's crying to his father because uh, Mister Weemsy shamed Nasty Nathan in class. Well. Nasty Nathan's a liar. Yes. He's a bold-faced liar. We saw it with our own eyes. Yes. So one minute later, Nasty Nathan's father calls. Yeah. Um, he says, hello, Dover. This is Bilge Barker, Nathan's father. I've got a way to cut $2,000 from the school budget and help our kids, too. So he asked him what his idea is. Pension off that old Weemsy. He's got rocks in his head anyway. And his seniority earns him $2,000 more than any young replacement. <laughs> Remember when teachers got pensions? Yeah. Those were nice. the days. Those were the days. Uh, the following week, uh, Stanley is actually taking the monster to school uh, to show him off for show and tell, thinking he's a dog. Meanwhile, Mr. Weemsy is in the principal's office getting fired. Getting fired. 
Outsourced, we'd call it now, yeah. right? Probably. Um, kicked out, sacked. Retired unwillingly. Forced retirement. Um, Mr. Weemsy has a monkey sitting on his head, so that's normal also. Well, it's show and tell day, and kids brought their pets. And I guess back in the 60s, kids had monkeys for pets. Yeah, you could order... the monkey house in Chicago? Yes. I was just thinking of that. You could order monkeys out of the back of the comic books. Oh, my gosh. Mail order monkeys. The monkey house in Chicago. It it was a house that had windows built into the side of it. Like, it had really large windows. Yeah. And you could drive by and see monkeys in the windows. Yep. Like just hanging out. I mean, they had like it wasn't like an attraction. It was just someone's no, house. Someone's they house, but they had built like like a cage or something, and and like things for them to play on and stuff like that. All and yes. the monkeys would sit in the windowsill and be monkeys. Oh, that reminds me of my favorite episode of the Lucy Show, <laughs> <laughs> which is babysitting the troupe of performing monkeys. <sighs> we are wow, doing this... a really bad job of staying on on task uh, today. Well, this episode is really taking us down memory lane isn't it though uh mr weebsy goes to investigate a strange noise in the hall and encounters the, the demon monster yeah. from hell who in his favor is too nice for hell he is too nice for hell but he's still a demon <laughs> right, right right i mean there's a reason he's in hell he was in hell so uh mr weebsy goes to tell an administrator what he's seen but of course by now the monster has hidden right and classic move so, Mr. Weemsy takes the children for one last investigative journey into the woods. Yes. And uh, and Stanley and his monster are following behind. Right. But and following way the far Safe behind. distance, safe yeah. Distance. And Mr. Weemsy has to tell the children that he will no longer be serving as their natural science teacher. Right. Um, Mr. Which Weem- makes them very sad. Right. Um. Mr. Weemsy is uh, pointing out natural spec- uh, spectacles. He's pointing out, you know, the na- the thousands of natural wonders. He right. points out a yellow-bellied knee knocker. I don't know what that's a real thing. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, no, it isn't, of course. Not especially when you think the next bird is called the double-breasted seersucker. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, Nasty Nathan has wandered off on his own to find some something else to do because he's bored with science. So Mr. Weems, he realizes that he's not there and he goes to search for him because he's a good man. He's a yes. good teacher. And he turns around and smacks right into the branch of a tree, knocks his glasses off, and knocks himself out cold. Right. So Stanley decides he's going to find Nathan mm-hmm. and set everything straight. Right. He finds him up in a tree. Nathan has climbed a tree He's too scared to climb down, however. What? Yeah, I'm trying to remember if that ever happened to me. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, when we were kids in Florida, we had a three-story treehouse, and the top story was rather shoddily built, I uh-huh. should say. And, like, it was so high up. As a matter of fact, my stepbrother... We had a pulley swing going from the top story of the treehouse all the way across the backyard. That sounds safe. And he fell down. He felt it broke. The pulley swing broke, and he fell from that third story of the treehouse and broke his arm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking of the time we went rock climbing and we got trapped about 10 feet up. <laughs> I told you not to do that. You. That's not the way I remember it. I told you not to climb those rocks. In my memory, it was like, hey, come on, let's go, let's climb the rocks. Oh, Wee, you just blocked out. Here we go. So you went up first, and I was behind you. No, you went first. 
I was behind you. Oh, but then, then you got stuck. I got stuck. And I had to come back around you. Yes, I had to talk you down to get down below me. Because I couldn't see below me. Right. Yeah. And then I had to guide your feet down. Yes. yes. You saved my life. Well. <laughs> First mistake you ever made. Now, come on. Uh, okay, where are we in this the stupid monster, story? <laughs> the monster appears Our to... Our poor listener. It's fine. Okay. Um, the monster appears to coerce Nasty Nathan into jumping into his arms, which he refuses to do because it's a demon from hell. <laughs> Luckily, the ghost of Napoleon is there to scare Nasty Nathan right out of the tree. Just in case you forgot that there's a Napoleon ghost. With a classic ghost. I'm jump. I'll jump. And he jumps right into the arms of the monster. The monster. But he's ungrateful. Yeah, because he's nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, his shoe falls off, so Stanley takes the shoe and lays it atop the breast of the unconscious Mr. Weemsy. Nicely said. That night at the school board meeting, uh, Nasty Nathan's father, what's his name, Bilgewater? Bill P- Blowabout. Puffy, puffy, puffy pee Blowabout. I don't know what his name is. Um, he's arguing that Mr. Weemsy is insane and is to be sent packing. And, of course, Stanley and his monster are... Well, Stanley is up on a ladder being held by his monster, looking in the second floor of the schoolhouse where the meeting is taking place. Yes. And uh, Stanley's father Mm -hmm. uh, is adequately defending Mr. Weemsy. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, He says, I'm now convinced he's one of our finest teachers. Yes. He's warm and wise and wonder with the kids. And, in fact, he saved your son's life... Um. So the father bring, drags in Nasty, right? And says he wants him to explain what happened. And right. Nasty Nathan says, It wasn't Mr. Weemsy that saved my life. It was the ghost of Napoleon and a giant and a- demon from hell. <laughs> Which, of course, he gets his ears boxed. Yes. He deserves it. He did. And uh, escorted out of the room. And Mr. Weemsley's job, Mr. Weemsy, Mr. Weemsy's job is saved. Oh, wait. First, the demon from hell gets scared away by a cat. Yeah. And Stanley falls, holding onto a ladder, uh-huh. falls from the second, second floor window onto the ground, onto if, his back. If I feel like he, that would break something. Yeah. No, he's Probably fine. his tailbone. He's fine. Um, special memo from Stanley. Fellerth and girlth. <laughs> Hurry up and send me those new names for my monster. I have to say Massachusetts once more. I'll bust. 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 Yes, the monster named itself Massachusetts, but of course that's difficult for Stanley to say. Yes, with that terrible lateral lisp. Um, well, what would you think of that story? Not much. Not much. No, Thanks for it's long- fine. I don't, you know, it's for kids. Of course. Then and now. I like the artwork quite a bit. Yeah, I did. T- hey, way to find some positive, uh, a positive attribute. Jay to- Winslow Mortimer's very clean, excellent line work. Yeah, uh, especially like the way the parents are drawn. They remind me of Dennis the Menace. Dennis- I knew you were going to say absolutely. That. He's drawn like Dennis the Menace's father. Now, yes, moving on. To Sugar and Spike. These parents. These parents are the worst. Um, This issue. Three parts. I know. Oh, my God. I I hesitate to say anything about Sugar and Spike because it's widely regarded by many fine people we admire. 
as as just one of the most delightful comics ever published in the history of American comic books. People we wow. Neil Gaiman himself. He does? Yeah. Well, that's lending some credibility to Sugar and Spike. <sighs> oh, but this episode. Oh, I keep saying episode. I, it's second fine. Time I've said it. Yeah. This issue. Um, issue. We open. Are you on the uh, cover page or inside? Splash page. Oh, I'm inside, but we can go to the cover. If you like. Nah. Um, Sugar we, and Spike's impossible adventure. We should mention now that Sugar and Spike are babies. And they talk nonsense. They talk nonsense, but they can understand each other. So we can, as readers, understand them. But right. they also cannot understand their parents. Right. So we'll go through an interesting little exchange here where we hear the parents talk from the perspective of the children, and the children talk from the perspective of the parents, and then we have some sort of universal translator applied, and we get to understand everything. We also learn in this issue that baby talk is universal, so they can, in fact, understand the baby talk of babies of other species. Yes, baby. Say a lobster. Baby. Or a whale. Uh, or, or a seagull. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or sea, a blowfish. Sea hawk, as we oh, are hawk. called okay. it in yeah. this uh, issue. So we open with the parents welcoming a police officer who's come to investigate their missing children. Right. Who then come flying out of the sky. Flying out of the sky. And I don't know how they're see how they're drawn on that splash page? Uh-huh. Well no, the first page. Um there is no splash page, is there? This is the splash page. It's, okay. They're drawn on as if they're flying very far away from the house. Yeah. Somehow they managed to land on the roof of the house. Well, I was just wondering, is that actually the roof of their house? Or is it like the neighbors across the street? We don't know. It's, it's their never house. Answered. It is because if you if you go to the first page and then go to the next page and look at the close up, it's definitely their house. Oh, I see. Yep. Um, so maybe they do have flying powers. Maybe it's not meant to be taken that seriously. Um, so the police officer rescues them off the roof, and uh, now we get a little flashback. Yep, as to how this crazy adventure all began. So it seems that, that the parents now I have to wonder if these parents are swingers because they're always together. <laughs> um, well, I think parents people with kids of the same age have a tendency to become friends. Okay. Right? I mean it's I the kids know. that bring them together. I, I wouldn't do, know. I'm I mean, not a parent and I don't have any friends. No. So uh, they have taken the Infants out to a fancy restaurant, which serves lobster. Not only serves lobster, but brings the live lobster to your table to so you can inspect it before it's cooked. Also, the lobsters are green in this world. Also, in this world, the lobsters have eyes uh, where they shouldn't have eyes. Everybody knows that lobsters have eyes at the end of their antennae. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Are lobsters green? Are juvenile lobsters green? No, they are brownish, uh, rockish colored. They, they 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 kind of blend in with the rocks. Okay. Generally speaking, they're they're like a brownish color, speckled. Uh huh. They turn red when you cook them. Oh. Yeah. They're not green, and they don't have eyes where human eyes should be. Okay. Um, and it would have been really easy for them to draw big, cartoony, googly eyes at the end of the antennae. Right. Um, do they talk to babies? 
do Since lobsters talk uh-huh. to babies? Yeah. Uh, I, I doubt they do. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I was, when I was a child, we didn't get to go to red lobster or anything like that. Do they even have mouths? They in the traditional sense, not in the traditional sense. No, because they don't eat like they don't have, you know, they don't have giant mouths that open with jaws and mandibles. They do have mandibles. I remember that from zoology. They have a way of eating, but they sort of tear it apart and, and put it in their mouths. So they wouldn't eat, say, a marshmallow or a piece of candy corn. No. Okay. By the way, do yeah. you remember how flies eat? Don't they uh, chew it up and then vomit it back out and then eat the vomit? They do not chew. Okay, go on. They spit their saliva and digestive juices onto the surface of the thing, and it slowly dissolves it and they suck up the juices and they spit it out and suck it up and spit it out and if you look really closely when you see a fly landing on something you'll see it's proboscis going so that's why they're disgusting because not only do they have poop on their legs yeah you know but they also have it in their mouths and the very first thing they do when they lean on you is that they're trying to see if they if there's anything they're tasting to see with their mouths we are learning a lot today we are um so say if a fly had a can of Lyser peas in its bedroom, <laughs> it would not really, it well, would just like into the peas, which already look like vomit, and then I, like suck up. I'm that. assuming that if a fly could actually open a can of Lyser peas, uh-huh. that the fly would basically just stick its proboscis in and suck up the, all the peas, uh, either one at a time or in 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 multiples because uh-huh. if they're strong enough to hold a can opener right and open all the syrup peas right um yeah um that would be a big proboscis too oh yeah like or bigger, bigger maybe your, it's just happy to see me oh <laughs> bigger than your uh, straw yeah uh, it, it doesn't matter um so okay the babies are, are crying crying because the live lobster is going to be killed I cannot stand being in a restaurant with kids screaming i mean any restaurant, really. I mean, if I'm going to McDonald's or Wendy's, of course, I deserve it at the kids' Well, screen. then, mister, we're going to have words. Why? Nothing makes me angrier than people that complain about babies crying. I don't complain about it. I just stay quiet. Oh, okay. Just chew faster. Um, Drink more. So I have, I don't know who needs to hear this, but babies cry. So get over it. <laughs> Agree to disagree. Um, Another so, problem. Yes. Lobsters cannot live out of water for as long as this lobster. Right. They, they can continue gonna... to respirate, but yeah. they need to remain moist. Right. Like Aquaman. To Just bring it like back Aquaman. to comic books. Yes. Um, the restaurant manager offers to give the children whatever they want to make them stop crying. And what they want is this lobster to come home with them because it's talking to them in their language and it's coming home with them to be their pet. Right. Bad parents. Bad parents uh, allow their parents. children to take a live lobster out of a restaurant. Also, lobsters don't walk on legs like that. Right. Also, uh, you can't just tie a leash around a lobster's antenna because that would be its eyeball. That would be its eye, the stem to, to carry its eyeball at the end of its stem. Also, lobsters can't run down the street dragging two children behind them. No. Right. So, lobster drags uh, sugar and spike down to the wharf. And gets them into a sailboat, and they uh, are almost discovered by their parents, but luckily they are not, and then they get to go off the sailboat together with the lobster, who knows how to 
cut a jib. What do you call that? I like the cut of his jib. See, oh, oh my, I stand corrected. What have you learned? I have absolutely misremembered where a lobster's eyes are located. Uh-oh. And I confess my mistake here in front of you and our one listener. You, uh, this is the color of a lobster, and look, it does have black eyes. Yes. But, but I was thinking that the eyes were at the end of the antenna. I am absolutely wrong. In fact, I don't even see any antenna. Oh, well, that's the thing down by its mouth. Oh. And it has, yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. Well, I feel dumber now. No, don't feel dumb. Um, Anyway, off we go out to sea with uh, two infants and a lobster. Nobody you call that when you move the sail around. That's tacking. The, tacking, tacking, thank you. Um, I'm, I'm sure you asked me what that was in I a, a roundabout way, but I was busy trying to... Um, I was somewhat bothered by them leading around the lobster by the antenna, uh-huh. and I thought, you know, I might be wrong about where the eyes are located. Um. So they're sailing off to an entire island of lobsters who it's, are all, all called, green. Called, called Lobster Island. Yes. They're all green and apparently they're all juvenile because they all can understand sugar and spike. The lobsters assume that their friend, Gobby, has been captured by sugar and spike. Right. And throw rocks at them. Again, something lobsters can't actually do. Right. You know, once I was uh, boating on the crick out back of some friend's house. Boating. Well, it was a raft, a rubber raft. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the gals that was on the shore yes. was tossing rocks at the raft. Yes. Because that's what you do when you're out in the country and there's nothing to do. You throw, you, you throw rocks at people. Right. Yeah. Well, a rock struck me square on the top of the head. And? And cut your head open. Cut my head open. And I don't know if you've ever been cut on your head. but Yeah, it bleeds profusely. Very, very much blood. Yeah. So uh, I didn't really feel any pain, but I looked down on my shirt and it was like, carry on prom night. (laughs) And I screamed bloody murder. Get my mother! Um, that was a fun story. I love that story. Um, I no love I love telling that story with the girl who threw the rock. Yes, you. we're still friends. Yes, yeah. she's very awfully sorry now. Of course, but we do laugh over it, don't oh, we? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so the lobster Gobby turns the tables on Sugar and Spike and reveals that he has actually captured them to yes. bring them to Lobster Island to be the servant of all the lobsters. The lobsters. Then we These have baby people. Now, and immediately, my first thought when I read that panel was, um, does Gabi really understand how to care for a baby person? Uh, Which they refer to themselves as baby people. I mean, I guess there would be plenty of seafood and... Babies notoriously love seafood. Yes. We all know how much seafood you can feed children. And um, someone's going to need a diaper change by now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm breathlessly awaiting 
see what happens next, but unfortunately we're interrupted by two pages of paper doll cutouts Ugh. with fashions designed by the readers. Bless their hearts. That's neither here nor I there. love that advertisement, your free trip around the world. Uh-huh. I, 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 I love that saying, like, um, the cheapest vacation. <laughs> oh, with that old booze hound sailor? <laughs> the cheapest vacation is a trip in your mind. <laughs> um, well, these days, that's the only that's way the only to way. travel. Yeah, yeah. Part two. Here comes Sydney the Seahawk to... Gobby the Lobster, Sydney the Seahawk. Yes, and he's come to get some lobsters, right? Yeah, he's very uh, good at it, too. He just swoops right down and picks one up and flies away with it. I know you were talking the other day about how we live 40 miles from the ocean and have no seagulls around here, and yet... Yes, where were we? Helena, Montana, five hours from the coast, has seagulls galore. Where were we? We were outside. Well, it doesn't matter where we were. It's yes, and I said, I said, you know, well, what is it? That, you know, Helena, Montana is on the other side of the Rocky Mountains. Yeah. Now, the, of course, the seagulls, I believe, they come up the Missouri River. But we only live about 40 miles from the ocean, and yes. we never see any seagulls here. Well, because we live on the Potomac River, and it's a lifeless apocalypse of chemicals and <laughs> oil slicks, so it's probably no fish up here. There are fish here. Well, they're no good to eat. No, you, you gotta can't throw eat them. Back. Um, so... But it's okay, folks. Go ahead and vote however you want. It's okay. Don't worry about the environment or global warming or anything like that. It's okay. We live close to the Shenandoah and the Potomac Rivers, and you can't eat out of them. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, meanwhile, Gobby the Lobster... Yes. Apparently now is leaning into the fact that Sugar and Spike are his servants. So he demands them to chase after Sidney the Seahawk and... Retrieve. Retrieve his fellow green lobster. juvenile lobster. Right. So what do they do? They grab onto the seagull's legs and fly off into the air. Right. Um, so here comes another character, Squirt, Squirt Baby. <laughs> Squirt Baby. It's a whale. Squirt Baby the whale. Uh, who's come to jump up into the air, out of the ocean, grab the seahawk in its mouth, fling the entire menagerie, including himself, onto the shore. So now we have a beached whale, a lobster with two kids, and the seahawk's nowhere to be found. Right, and then this whole sequence takes forever. So we've got to figure out a way to get the whale off the beach with uh, a dozen juvenile lobsters and two babies. So let's shorten this sequence. First, they try with the, with the lobsters and the babies to roll the whale over. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. And luckily, right. no one gets crushed when the whale rolls back. Yeah, right. Right? Uh, they then discover that the whale, by inhaling and exhaling quickly, can move itself up and down. They try to move it sideways by encouraging it to breathe sideways, but it's not structurally able to accomplish that. Well, he needs to take a voice lesson from one of us. We can teach you how to fill your whole body with air. Yeah. Um, so that's even not you, working. Even your Punjabi? Who? Can you, can you even fill your Punjabi with air? I don't know what that is, but it sounds dirty, so I'm not <laughs> going to address it. Sugar and Spike now get an inner tube because they've referenced something in their past where they understand how aerodynamics work. So Spike 
places the deflated inner tube underneath the whale and starts to blow. Yeah, that's not going to work. No. Well, they do end up raising the whale somewhat. But then it crushes. Unless you have a pneumatic tire pump, you can't put a Poor inner tube underneath us. Don't forget these babies are captive on this lobster island. Right. The lobsters, so they do manage to roll the, the whale a little bit. Uh-huh. But then it rolls back. And once again, every character in this... Uh, in this comic, except the whale that's going to die any moment because it's, you know, beached. um, It's, their lives are spared from the whale managing not to roll back on them. Well, because it's a baby whale. Oh, I see. Um, You know what we need, though? What? Another character introduced into the story in the third act. What a great idea. Why don't we find one in the ocean, Bob? Um, In fact, why don't we send an infant diving under the ocean, uh, deep diving, Deep diving. Deep, deep diving. Now, I have to tell you something. Yeah. I love this underwater picture. That is a great panel. It's, it looks like it was drawn by a child, but not but a skillful, skillfully drawn by right. a child. I love it. It's the one good thing I'm going to say about this. Thank you. It's such a good panel that he signed it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, the whole sequence, actually, the whole underwater sequence is delightful. I used to love, like, cartoons. I mean, this is back in the old days, before SpongeBob. But I loved things that happened in, like, hidden undersea yeah. animal kingdoms. Sure, sure. And, of course, I loved Aquaman. And Mira, his queen. I know. I've swam with you in the, I've swam with you in the pool. Um, I so have swum? I have swam? Oh, my God. I, I can't believe swimmed. I swimmed. <laughs> swim to swam, swum. <laughs> Anyway, we've 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 swum together. In the pool. Um, I know how much we love Mira. So Spike has dived deep under the ocean to find a blowfish and uh, brings it up to the surface. I went swimming. I we swam he together. Asks the blowfish to call some of his fellows. Okay, so have you ever seen a blowfish before uh, in, in in real life? Probably, I have. Yeah. So they're f- sort of like flattish. Uh-huh. Uh, they look like regu- any regular old fish. Yeah. And then when they get spooked, yeah. they don't take in air. They take in water. Right. And they become spiky. Right. And their their barbs are poisonous. Okay. I mean, they have an irritant that yeah. really hurts. Uh-huh. They become spiky so that when a fish tries to take them into their mouths, they immediately blow up with water. Right. And their spikes hurt the interior of the mouths of their predators. Well, um, these I don't are... want to say that because the whale is about to be saved by the blowfish. Right, but these clearly are baby blowfish, so their spikes haven't grown yet, and they've um, inhaled air. Of course. Why didn't I think of that? Because we can actually understand the words they're saying, so they must be baby right. blowfish. Right. Uh, there's a larval form of blowfish, which actually breathes air and is not spiky. Okay. But is full size the same as an adult blowfish. So you mean like a... It's like a tadpole. Oh, if a tadpole was fully grown adult, like an adolescent and blowfish, breathed. no, an adolescent would be a teenager. You're right, yeah, right. It's no. like a pupil form. Pupae, yes, Pupae. that's what we're looking for. <laughs> um, so the blowfish community gets up onto the shore because they can all breathe air, also like whales can and lobsters, and uh, get themselves positioned under the whale, blow themselves up. And start creeping towards 
the water. I guess rolling toward the water. And I, it works. Yeah. Does what it do you bother know? you to when um, ever a, a task is accomplished by a group of people and one of the people says it takes a village? Um, no. I hear it a lot. In, in, I mean, are they saying it in a mocking way? No, just sort of like, you know, it takes a village. Um, you know what I say with my team? No. Teamwork makes the dream work. I like that. Um, no, that doesn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> it's just that I think that, that it takes a village is a much more sincere comment. Than applying it in the workplace? Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. Agree to agree. I mean, it's ultimately a comment on the, the interconnectedness of community. And yes, yes, yes. Not liberal claptrap. <laughs> so the whale's back in the ocean. <laughs> Based upon the tenets of democracy, thank you very much. Yes, well, we're a republic, so. Um, and the whale has uh, got two infants on its back. It's Sugar and Spike. They're riding whale. Neat. Which is not going to work out when it dives under the water. Right. Now we find out what happened to Sydney the Seahawk. It's inside the jaded, horrible, bar-like jaws of the baby whale. Not actually how whales' mouths are, but... No, as you know, whales in the infant form have um, long, jagged teeth, which are far apart. It could be a a juvenile sperm whale, and sperm whales do have teeth. Or it could be a whale shark. Ooh, that'd be very slow. Um... Do sperm whales have long dagger-like teeth, which are spaced very far apart, so they, they look like jail bars? Sperm whales actually uh, uh, capture squid and, uh-huh. and kill them. Uh-huh. So sperm whales do have dangerous teeth, yes. Uh-huh. But they're not like, you know, sharks. Or uh-huh. like no, they don't have rows and rows of teeth. They, they have a row. I mean, I, I remember them having, you know, like a row. Uh-huh. And what are they called? It's teeth. No, the animal. Sperm whale. <laughs> he says sperm. <laughs> um, oh, my God. So We're the, almost out of the ocean. Whale does not want to take them back to their home because he's going to get trapped be, on land Well, yeah, again. of course. It's on land. So Sydney Seahawk agrees to carry the children back in its talons. This must be a strong Seahawk. Also, we saw earlier but in the, the story. Seahawk is not a seagull. I Yeah. Oh, are they, is it an actual thing? I just thought he was being clever. Yeah, seahawk is, is actually a more. Uh, it, it is a bird that is more like a um, an osprey or, or something. It, it is more like it's uh, a predatory bird with with uh, and it doesn't have um, flippy flipperies things. It has talons. Okay, it's, but we it's saw a, it's a hunting bird, right? But we saw earlier in the issue that this bird did have webbed duck feet. I, I know. I, I, I have no idea how it is even carrying the children. Well, maybe it's got some kind of sticky adhesive on its feet that adheres to their clothing. See, it's in the osprey family. Yes? I don't know what an osprey is either. You lived in Florida. I, look, 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 yes. look, look. That's one. On the, okay, yeah. fine. Okay. Just looks like a bird to me. Um, so Sydney the Seahawk flies the children over their house. And drops Drops the children. Drops Drops the children in the air. These children should die. This should be the last issue of Sugar and Spike. The children? No, it should be, though. I know. 
they should have fallen to their deaths. And the parents would be standing there crying because they were so irresponsible. Right. That's how it should have ended. Well, these parents should be investigated by CPS. Absolutely. For Um, neglect, for gross neglect of their children. Do you know that Sheldon Mayer, creator of Sugar and Spike, retired after issue something, 109, because he lost his eyesight? Oh. But then he got eye surgery and came back and started them again and wrote a whole bunch of Sugar and Spike stories that were only published in Europe, not in the United States. Because Europeans love talking babies. But that's a... I did not know that. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. It's so much more interesting than the sperm way on the teeth. <laughs> the sperm again. We're almost to the end of this. We, in fact, are at the end. Well, I'm not going to let uh, this episode get away without uh, uh, exposing you and your Twitchy Curtains episode. Uh, your Twitchy um, Curtains antics. Let me just mention that this story was for Teresa Jones, age 13, Omaha, Nebraska. James Monaghan, age 9. Cashua, New Cashua. New Hampshire, yes. Jun Sasaki, age 11, from East Pakistan. Wow. And Kathy Ann Marchman, age 12, Norwalk, California. Well, that's special. I guess. I wonder why did they... I don't know why why that would be. They must be fans. They must have been fans. Well, (laughs) who wasn't? Right? So uh, I want to talk about Twitchy Curtains. Yes. Okay, so you're always making fun of me for giving a report on the neighbors. Yes. So the other day... Um, you asked, you observed that the neighbors, yes. the owners of Nala, um, their garage door had been open all day. Yes. As a matter of fact, that a cleaning lady yes. had come and visited and left. Yes. And the garage door had been open all day. Yes. And our neighbor's car had been out of the garage. Uh, actually, what... It was the, just a bunch of unusual things. Right. And because you work in the, the sunroom, yes. you could see all this happening. Yes. So as a good neighbor, we, we, we were concerned that they were away, actually, and that they had a cleaning lady come in while they were gone, and then she left the garage door open. As a good neighbor that we, that we are, yes. I took your Twitchy Curtains report, and I called our neighbor. Yes. To, and, and I basically referred the story like, Bob noticed that you had a cleaning lady come in earlier this week, today. And she said, that's my mom. <laughs> now, in fairness, um, our neighbor has a, a disability and her mother does help her with the housework. Yes. Yes. So, um, and it turns out that uh, the door was le- the garage door was left open, and it was absolutely fine. And they were home, and everything was safe. Um, and she really appreciated us calling. But it was well, it was just this one moment where the tables were turned for a second because I'm always like, Abna, Abna, look what the Stevenses are doing. Well, I'm going to mind my own business from now on. Yeah. So, uh, good luck, everybody in the neighborhood. <laughs> Anything to add? Uh, I will be launching my podcast very, very soon called Liberally Speaking. I thought you weren't going to mention that. I wasn't going to mention it yet until I had a couple episodes, but I've got uh, the first episode uh, almost wrapped up. I'm waiting for my buddy to send me the graphic, and I'm going to launch it within the next, uh, by the end of the week. Right. It's not uh, politics. It's about liberal arts. It's about liberal arts. Um, so it's going to be interviews with um, with artists, storytellers, scientists, researchers, all sorts of people that happen to intersect in a university situation. But it's yeah. not only going to be just my university, but other universities as well. So I'm really looking forward to having conversations with them and getting to know about them. And it, the first episode is like really f- a great um, conversation. So I'm nice. looking forward to it. Yeah. Keep us posted. I will. 
and let us know if you need any movers or shakers to interview. <laughs> I'm available. Uh, we are available on social media at GoGoCheckPod. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your free podcast downloads from. And you can join us right back here next week where we'll have an exciting war comic. Oh, my God. Or Well, we're definitely doing that this weekend. And drunk. <laughs> Bye. Bye. It's time to live our love.